Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is August 20th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about training camp and what has been transpiring so far. Now, if you are aware, little disclaimer here, I am in Texas, so this news and what's been happening isn't coming firsthand. It is coming from the reports via the beat reporters, via guys who work like the uh, with the Dolphins like Travis Wingfield and others. And right now, the media is in a tough situation because they can't report on stuff uh, live tweeting and they can't report on things when they happen. There's, uh, you know, some limitations and it makes the reporting situation very unique and very odd. So uh, keep that in mind as I talk about some of the stuff that's been happening. And there are also some snippets that will be included and I will be referring to a lot of these press conferences that I'm sure you guys have seen me tweeting about. Uh, In the last episode, there was Tua Tungavailoa and Byron Jones and Jordan Howard. Now, recently, we had the opportunity to listen in on Noah Igbenogany, on Kyle Van Noy, um, other guys like Devontae Parker, who I want to discuss a little bit. All that will be covered in today's episode. So first, we'll begin with the offensive side of the ball, and what a better way to start than with the quarterbacks, and I'll even dive even further and say what a better way to start than with Tua Tungavailoa, and we'll begin with something that's very easy to talk about. The first things first right now is the injury. Apparently, there are no sort of limitations or anything that would give notice to suggest that his injury is having some sort of negative impact on his game. There is none of that happening. His mobility seems fine. His arm strength looks good. It looks like there is nothing about his injury right now that is preventing him from playing at a very high level. The only thing that is still up in the air at this moment is can he take a hit? And when we talked to him, he said the same thing, that he won't know until it happens. You know, getting hit by a 250 pound linebacker who has pads and a helmet on at full speed is something that you can't really simulate until it actually happens. But aside from that, from a mobility standpoint, from him being able to plant his legs and get good throws off, everything looks fine from that aspect right now. Now, beat writer Omar Kelly kind of stirred up quite a bit of a firestorm on Twitter because he tweeted that Tua is not impressing him and the quarterback that is impressing him is Josh Rosen. So before we get to Josh Rosen, just keep in mind that Tua has standards right now. He has expectations that are sky high for him. The expectations that he is already the franchise guy, that he is some generational talent, make it very hard for him to live up to it, especially at this one moment. He is barely starting to get with the team. We've had a weird offseason. He hasn't really been able to work with the guys in the same manner that we would see in a typical offseason. And I would say, you know, for right now, give the guy a break. I will say that maybe Omar Kelly is saying he hasn't impressed because the things that we have seen him do, uh, at least on video, are these very routine passes. He hasn't really made any sort of Uh, you know, jaw-dropping play just yet. He's been making some routine ones, but when he does it, everything looks pretty sound. You know, he still has that effortless throwing motion. He gets great zip on the ball. It looks like he is throwing with great precision, but the issues he has been having appear to deal more with his decision-making. Brian Flores came out and said yesterday that he has made some good decisions, but at the same time, he's also made some very poor decisions. He also had some issues
issues with getting the snap from their center, Michael Dieter. He had some issues there and it led to a few fumbles and botched snaps. So hopefully that is all sorted out. But with these being some of his first few snaps with a, a bunch of professional players and coming back from the injury and as I mentioned, the offseason being so weird, I'd say give the guy a break. I wouldn't be too concerned about Omar Kelly's comments as of right now. Now, as for Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen has been performing apparently extremely well. They had a throwing competition yesterday where they had a tire set about 30 yards away. And according to the reporters, Josh Rosen hit it three times and won the little competition between them. And also Omar Kelly was saying that he is throwing some terrific balls. There's apparently a just a magnificent deep ball to Jakeem Grant, courtesy of Josh Rosen. And this has a lot of Dolphin fans kind of angry. And I will say, I don't understand the anger about Josh Rosen playing well. I'd understand if someone was making the argument that they made a bad decision by drafting Tua because they had Josh Rosen. I would understand that. But there's nothing inherently bad about Josh Rosen playing at a high level because I will say, you know, as hyped and optimistic as I am about Tua, there is no such thing in the NFL as a guarantee player, especially one that is coming out of college. I am hopeful. I am optimistic. I would not bet against Tua. But at the end of the day, even I have to recognize that no player is a 100% guarantee success. Nobody's a guarantee 100% Hall of Famer in this league, no matter how good they looked in college. So the quarterback position is one of those positions where if you have two guys who can play at a very high level. If you have two guys that are young, and remember how young Josh Rosen is, and if both of them can play at a very high level, you are in a very good position. You know how many teams, I mean, think back about the years the Dolphins struggled to find a very good quarterback for the team. Now imagine now you have two of them. That is a tremendous amount of value, whether you elect to trade one or not, that is a tremendous amount of value to have on your team. And I will say, when it comes to Rosen himself, if you remember, I was one of the guys that was banging on the drums. I said before they made the trade, I wanted them to go out and do it. They finally did it. I was extremely hyped about it. And I still, even now, now, I recognize that Josh Rosen still has talent. The guy was in a poor situation in Arizona. He came to the Dolphins when they were regarded as a pretty poor situation to be in. I think he had some unlucky circumstances with some drops by some key players in some key moments. And I still think the talent is there. I just don't know whether it will be utilized by the Dolphins or by another team. And as Cameron Wolf from ESPN said, right now it is only a matter of time until it's Tua's team. And I would have to bet on that. But at the same time, I am very happy to hear that Josh Rosen is playing well, and I hope he continues to do so. So now I do want to float an interesting little scenario I have here, and it is what if for some reason Ryan Fitzpatrick, whether it's an injury or whether he just uh, stops playing well, the Dolphins hypothetically put Josh Rosen in at the quarterback position. Now, hypothetically, let's say Josh Rosen goes out and has a tremendous year, like almost comeback player of the year caliber year. And let's say it gets the team to the playoffs and he puts up the best season we've seen from a quarterback since Dan Marino for the Miami Dolphins. What happens at that point. What do you do with Josh Rosen and what do you do with Tua? And if you're asking me, I would say if that were to happen, then you do the Alex Smith 
Patrick Mahomes little experiment. You keep both of them on the same team. And I think at that moment, you absolutely have to ride the hot hand. If it becomes undeniable that Tua has a talent like how Patrick Mahomes was, you could tell the Chiefs knew. Because Alex Smith, when he was playing, was no scrub. He was in the MVP conversation for the Chiefs. So what that tells me is that Andy Reid saw something in Mahomes in practice that we weren't seeing, that he knew what they had in Mahomes. So at that point, if that happens, I think you roll with Josh Rosen. But if you see in practice what Tua has, if he is showcasing that same kind of talent and you are confident in his ability to take over and be able to outperform him in the same system, then at that point, you go ahead and you look at trading Josh Rosen. But then if you look at practice and you say that, hey, maybe Tua doesn't have what Rosen has, then uh, maybe you have to start exploring the opposite. But again, this is the super early hypothetical. I know I might be getting some major eye roll from people because of how early on this is, but it's something that is in the back of my mind. What if Josh Rosen ends up getting some valuable playing time in the regular season, and what if he ends up playing extremely well? That's just something that I'm thinking about because even though the odds are slim, I think it's still there, and it's something that's interesting and fun to talk about. So now we move on to the receivers here, and the receiver that I think benefits the most out of having those other receivers, Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson, opt out of the 2020 season, to me is Jakeem Grant. And according to the sources who are out there on the field watching these guys, they are saying that Jakeem Grant is just one of these guys that during practice goes absolutely off, that he is giving it 110% and that he is just dominating on the practice field. And considering that he is somebody that during this offseason, he's been posting a ton of videos and he's been working extremely hard at making that conversion from being just a special teams threat to really transitioning over to being a viable offensive weapon, that is huge to hear. He's going to be given, no doubt, the opportunity to do so. I think he's going to have plenty of chances to become a viable receiver on this team. And I think that's somebody to definitely keep your eye on if you're thinking fantasy football, because when he is on the field, when he's had the opportunities to uh, work on the offensive side of the ball, he at times can create some amazing separation. We're talking in like a nanosecond. The guy does a little hop and he is feet away from his defender. And then of course we know what he can do when the ball is in his hands. So if we're talking a lot more of a target share for a guy like Jakeem Grant, a guy who can hit a home run whenever he has the ball, then that is something that is extremely exciting to hear about. Now, another receiver that has already become some sort of a, a fan favorite, and I love this guy, it is extremely hard to root against him, is Malcolm Perry, who uh, Josh Houts termed as the Swiss Navy Knife, which is extremely clever and major props to him because that is uh, like a god-tier 10 out of 10 nickname that they already got for him. So Malcolm Perry here, uh, the reports were that the Dolphins view him as their Julian Edelman, that he could transition over even though he was a quarterback at Navy, even though he is listed as a running back right now, that he could serve as a viable slot receiver. And a lot of the reports that are coming out are generally received positively when it comes to Malcolm Perry. He seems to be working a lot with Tua and he seems to be getting some valuable reps in. And initially, uh, before the decision to opt out by Hearns and by Albert Wilson, I wasn't uh, really too confident about whether Malcolm Perry was going to make the team just because the 
the team appeared to have a lot of viable weapons there at the receiver position. But now with those two guys opting out, his chances go up exponentially. I am very excited about it. And the idea of having somebody that on these trick plays can you can throw a bubble screen to and then he could turn around and chuck it down across the field to a receiver that the defense kind of fell asleep on. That is interesting to me. And I'm on board with fans already deeming this to be one of their fan favorites. I love the idea of having Malcolm Perry as a guy on this team. Now, another guy who I think could make the team is Devontae Parker. Now, all jokes aside, Devontae Parker obviously is a wide receiver one on the team. We had the opportunity to speak with him over Zoom, and he had some interesting quotes. But before we dive into it, I want to say from a personality standpoint, from a demeanor standpoint, you could tell that Devontae Parker right now is extremely confident. I know a lot of people early on in his career were kind of on his back saying that he was too soft or that he wasn't aggressive enough. And at that time, the team had Jarvis Landry, who I think is the epitome of having an aggressive style of personality. So maybe they were comparing him unfairly to Jarvis. But over the years, we have seen Devontae Parker really start to, you know, snap back at these defenders and start to flex on the defenders and really start to feel himself and come into his own. And when we uh, talk to him on this Zoom press conference, you kind of got more of that, that he is starting to become confident, he's starting to build his personality a lot more, and from the mental side, he appears to be in a very good place as it stands right now. And then from a physical standpoint, I say this at the beginning of every year, I say, man, Devontae Parker is looking big. The guy looks like every offseason, he packs on just a ton of muscle. He went from, in his rookie year, a guy that I thought of as kind of like AJ Green, very wiry, you know, but still a guy who had great length to him and a good stature but then as years go on every year he kind of puts on a little bit more muscle and he kind of transitions more into somebody that's looking like Megatron kind of looking like Calvin Johnson and when I see him right now in 2020 I'm like this guy is getting big you think about how this guy was dominating opponents in one-on-one -on -one situations and coming down with these jump ball catches if this guy starts to continue to get bigger in frame and get more strength. I don't know who is going to beat him in a one-on-one -on -one situation. I look at these DBs and I give props to guys like, you know, Igbenogany and Byron Jones, who are both athletic freaks, but Devontae Parker looks big. He looks strong. The guy can jump out the gym. As long as Devontae Parker is staying healthy, I am willing to bet that he comes down with a lot of those one-on-one -on -one catches that we saw him make last year. Now, here is a nice little quote that he had about Preston Williams. He said he feeds off of Preston Williams' performance, and I really thought it was interesting what he had to say about him. You know, Preston, one of our big guys, uh, we, uh, we both have big playability, you know, down the field end. You know, we just feed out one another. I see him make a big catch, and I'm going to come out and make a big catch also, and that's just, that's just how we do it. Now, speaking of Preston Williams, this was kind of one of the bigger narratives so far in training camp. Is that Preston Williams was, again, returning punts for the team in practice. And as you know, Preston Williams was hurt. He tore his ACL while he was on punt returns. And I tweeted before that happened, I tweeted early on in the season, I don't like the idea of having Preston Williams returning punts. And I'll go over quickly why I said that. And first, I don't like Preston Williams returning punts because there are better options, I think, on the team that aren't your primary receivers. And I think that if you have Jakeem Grant, and I know that there were some issues and maybe concerns at some point in his career with dropping the ball, but 
If you extend Jakeem Grant and he is your special team specialist, then I would hope you have enough confidence in him that you could send him out there on punt returns to catch the ball. If you don't have confidence in Jakeem Grant's ability to field a punt, then why did you extend him as your return specialist? That one doesn't make sense to me. But then that is your number six or your number five receiver. That means you have another receiver on this team. Uh, you could use your number three running back even. I don't like the idea of using your number two receiver and somebody who at the time was producing like your number one receiver. He was on pace for over 800 yards. He was outperforming Devontae Parker at that point in the season. I didn't like the idea of having him out there being the one to return punts. I know he was an undrafted rookie. Some will argue he needed some snaps. I don't think that is the case. And my second argument was he doesn't fit the mold as a punt returner in my eyes. I mean, I could understand the argument uh, for Odell Beckham Jr. because the guy is elite when it comes to being able to make guys miss. He is elite when it comes to his elusiveness. Jarvis Landry, I know, won a game for the Dolphins. He was clearly the team's number one wide receiver. I believe it was against the Redskins where he had this very clutch punt return for a touchdown and it led to the team getting the win. But Jarvis Landry offered a very different skill set than Preston Williams. Preston Williams is a huge guy. He is extremely tall. He is not hiding behind any blockers. You know exactly where he is on the field. And on a punt return where it is chaotic, where you're trying to hide behind people, where you are trying to make guys miss and they are flying in your direction, I don't like the idea of putting your 6'5", very physical jump ball receiver out there as the one to return the punts. To me, that just doesn't make sense. I don't think he fits the more as a punt returner, I would understand if it's one of those situations uh, where you just want uh, him to securely catch the ball kind of in the same way the Patriots would utilize Julian Edelman. But in the situations where you actually need uh, a productive return, then put Jakeem Grant out there. Put Malcolm Perry out there. What are you doing putting Preston Williams, your big physical receiver? I don't understand that. So we move on to the tight end position. And I don't know whether it's truly a tight end or if it's a wide receiver because we're going to be talking a little bit very quickly about Mike Gesicki. Now, Omar Kelly tweeted that Mike Gesicki right now is the one that stood out to him uh, from an athleticism standpoint the most. A fan asked him who came out in training camp and really physically stood out. And he said it was Mike Gesicki. We had the opportunity to speak with him also on the Zoom press conference, and he just said that he's willing to play wherever. He said that he's not too worried about learning a new offense or where he is going to be in it. He says at the end of the day, it is football. He is very confident in his own ability. As of right now, the question that I have is that is he going to be able to uh, make some more adjustments to become more of a well-rounded uh, traditional tight end, or has that ship already kind of sailed, and are we just purely viewing Mike Kosicki as a receiving threat, which may not be a bad thing at all because I'm sure he can do that at a high level. But as of right now, there are no reports coming out that he has improved on his blocking and that they're viewing him any differently. So that's a little bit concerning. And I do think that that may be kind of indicative of the Dolphins' plans to use him more as kind of this hybrid slot receiver role. And that is something that I'm keeping my eye on right now. Now we go to the defensive side of the ball and the most important news here is that Vince Beagle, the linebacker who the Dolphins got last year in the trade that involved Kiko Alonso, well he went down with an Achilles injury and you know first things first I'm hoping that 
He can have a speedy recovery. The guy is somebody that brings an energy to the field. He is just this very dominant force on the defense, even though it didn't show up necessarily on the stat sheet. He is somebody that when he is on the field, he makes an impact and he makes his teammates a lot better and he provides that spark for the defense. And you could uh, totally tell when you're hearing the Dolphins players speak that he is somebody from that standpoint that means a lot to them. So I'm hoping that he can recover and make a speedy return. You know, as always, an Achilles injury is one of those ones that is very scary to hear about. ACLs in, uh, in uh, 2020 or something that, you know, are, I don't want to say a non-factor, but the likelihood of them being able to return to 100% is relatively good. But the Achilles is something entirely different. It's such an important, you know, just a thick tendon in the leg that is so difficult to rehab and get it to return to normal. That's something that you never want to hear, especially when a player that is playing with that much explosiveness, the Achilles is very important uh, for planting your leg. So that is a huge blow. He led the team in quarterback hits by a wide margin with 13. He also had three sacks. The guy was, like I said, he was a force on the field, even though it didn't show up necessarily on the stat sheet. So as Kyle Crabb said, he works for the Draft Network. He also does awesome reporting for USA Today's Dolphins, uh, Dolphins Beat. Uh, he said that you should be keeping your eye on Andrew Van Ginkle as somebody who kind of seizes this opportunity and takes over this role. Now, to talk about the secondary, Noah Igbenogany, the rookie out of Auburn, has been getting a ton of positive comments and a ton of positive reports about how he has been playing. He's been getting some valuable snaps. He is already matched up against guys like Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. They were saying that at practice yesterday that Preston Williams came down with this catch over him. And he he was kind of slamming the floor and he said that he is an extremely fiery guy that he is very competitive and he also said this um, i feel like i've been doing pretty good of course i would like to do better of course i don't want them to catch any balls on me at all that's just the type of dude i am but um, it's gonna happen um and i've just um a few practices in in the league and so it's gonna happen it's getting used to it but um, eventually we'll get there. We'll get to a point where I'm shutting him down a little bit or so. So I think that Noah Igbenogany's performance so far might be one of the most valuable things coming out of training camp so far because that really does put the Dolphins in a position where they are uh, they can kind of have some liberty with what they do with Xavier Howard. It can kind of put them in a position where they could get some value in return from them. If you guys remember before the draft, I wrote this piece and I talked about in an episode that I think Xavier Howard's time with the Dolphins may be coming to an end. I don't see any team in the NFL having two of the highest paid corners in the league on their team and then going out in the same draft in the first round and drafting another cornerback. That is kind of overkill to me, and to me, it's kind of indicative that one of these guys isn't going to be here, and it's not going to be one of the ones that they just got, that one of these guys has to go. And I look at what happened with Xavier Howard recently. He had the knee surgery. He had the off-the-field issues this offseason. He didn't really perform all too well when he was on the field in 2019. I think that all kind of aligns with this idea that maybe Xavier Howard won't be on the team uh, for too much longer, maybe after the season. But I will say at this point, 
all those negatives I kind of brought up also work against the Dolphins if they were having any desire to trade him because then you have to ask, well, which team is going to want a defensive back that is coming off of a knee surgery, one that dealt with those off-the-field issues, and one that has that huge, massive contract? A team's going to have to take that on. So it's going to definitely need to be a team that needs help immediately, a team that has their window of winning a Super Bowl in 2020 or in 2021, a team that needs that immediate sort of help. So I'm thinking that maybe as we get closer to the trade deadline, if a team has a cornerback get injured and it's somebody that is very important to that team and they need someone to fill that role very quickly, then you could see them making a move for Xavier Howard. But I don't think the Dolphins would be able to get the return that I think a lot of fans would be hopeful that they could get. I mean, a lot of people are throwing around a first round draft pick. As it stands right now, I don't think the Dolphins could get a first for Xavier Howard with all those issues I mentioned. And with how much it would cost a team trading for him, I would think the second round pick would be something worth settling for. And frankly, I'm not sure that a team does that as of right now with how he has been battling this knee injury that seems to be sort of a chronic issue with him. So that's something that's kind of in the back of my mind, but it all goes back to how Noah Igbenogany's performing and that is a huge positive it's something that I am very excited about other guys in the secondary we had an opportunity to speak with Eric Rowe and I will say Eric Rowe has a tremendous amount of knowledge when it comes to the defense he said that he was playing out there at cornerback and from there that he was recognizing what the plays were and he was trying to shout down his teammates and tell him what was going to happen and he said it was that that caused the Dolphins to kind of recognize this and move him over to the safety position where he could kind of take on a more of a commanding role with the team and I think that is partly why he thrived so much more as a safety and he said he had no issues with it he wasn't worried about it and he was willing to take on whatever role the Dolphins gave to him and then apparently Byron Jones came down with a terrific interception where he mossed Devontae Parker which is a hard thing to do I mean I went on a a three-minute little tirade about how big and how strong Devontae Parker is and how great he is at that jump ball but then you have Byron Jones who has the world record for the longest broad jump world record not just NFL record the guy is gifted when it comes to his ability to jump so that is something that I would want to see more of I mean I'm very excited about Byron Jones and I do think a lot of people are putting too much of an emphasis on how few interceptions he had I think a lot of that is attributed to him being able to shut down his man and kind of eliminate that whole side of the field and have guys not throwing in his direction so the final note before we wrap up this episode is defensive tackle Raekwon Davis from Alabama. You may remember that when the Dolphins drafted him, they panned over the cameras. Probably one of the best moments of uh, you know Brian Flores' short tenure so far with the Dolphins. They panned the camera over to him, and he was just giddy. The guy was giggling. He was happy. He was ecstatic. He looked like a little kid excited with the idea of drafting this guy. That is how much he loved him. And the Dolphins drafted him, and apparently as it stands right now, he is already tossing people around and showcasing his strength even though he is just a rookie so that is exciting to hear so that is how wrap up today's episode guys as always if you want to follow me on twitter i've been tweeting a lot of this information and the quotes from the zoom press conferences that is at via the source if you want to follow my personal twitter that is at shady steven if you could leave a review on the apple podcast app that would be a tremendous help it really helps to build the audience any likes, shares and you know things of that nature are always greatly appreciated and do help tremendously and i can't 
you know, say that enough and how grateful I am uh, for the, all the support so far. And if you have any sort of comments or topics you would like for me to discuss in the future episodes, feel free to reach out to me again. That is at view the source or at shady Steven. Let me know and I will gladly talk about anything you, uh, you want me to talk about in the following episode. So until next time though, guys, I'm Steven Masso and this was via the source.